Good morning and welcome to worship. I'd like to especially welcome those in the traditional sanctuary today and those joining us through the broadcast. It's good for us to be able to study the Word of God all together. It doesn't take a lot to convince people that they should celebrate Christmas. It seems like everybody loves Christmas, even if they don't have any faith at all, even if what they're celebrating is reindeer and elves and toys, people love Christmas. And I think Minnesotans in particular need something to celebrate by December 25th. <laughs> it's just so dark. But no matter what people are celebrating, people seem to realize that there's something a little different about Christmas, different than other holidays like Halloween or Mardi Gras. Because there's something about Christmas that is about wanting good for the human race, for humanity. And you can see that in all the commercials, and you can see it in the signs in the stores downtown. And I'm sure that the people who are hanging up those signs in the shopping malls that say, peace on earth, goodwill to all, I think that they think that might just be some kind of generic well-wishing, kind of like be well. I wonder if they realize that it's actually a quote, an ancient message from a supernatural being that was given while terrifying a bunch of shepherds with joy especially when the one angel became a thousand in the night sky. It's a good thing that it wasn't the angel's job to actually give the peace, because starting by terrifying people is a bad way to start, <laughs> giving out peace. But the angel's job was not to give the peace. The angel's job was to make an introduction, was to make an announcement that one was coming who would be the source of that peace who would deliver a peace that nothing of the world could ever take away from us. In Luke 2, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating an event that changed our world forever that our world was broken apart from God by sin and spinning toward death, and our God intervened by joining us in it so that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he could draw us back into God's own eternal life. Christmas was an event that divided human history. There's our planet before Christ, and there's our planet after Christ, B.C. and A.D., or whatever letters you want to use. And again, when Jesus comes again, history will split again into the new creation. And by that time, I don't think anyone's going to care what letters we use to talk about it. Christmas marks a cosmic change for humanity. And the angelic messengers speak that message, but you'll notice when they speak it, it isn't peace on earth, goodwill to all people. It's a little different than that. In Luke 2, 13 through 14, the angels say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Did you remember that? Peace to those on whom God's favor rests. It's not quite PC enough for the department stores, isn't it? It's a little different. And if we're honest, that might make you squirm a little bit. Because Jesus came for all the world, right? So why did the angels proclaim peace, not generically to the world, but peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Because the peace that this Savior came to bring is not an independent, detached state of being. It's not just a peace that's the absence of conflict. This peace is a relational state of being. 
This Savior comes to bring the peace of restoring us to eternal relationship with the living God. And this Savior came to make that possible in the human flesh for flawed human beings like us through his human death and resurrection for us. He came to bless humanity with relationship with God. Jesus came to make it possible for us to know God's favor and for it to rest on us. This is the peace of feeling the hand of the proud Heavenly Father on your shoulder saying, this is my beloved one in whom I am well pleased. And that kind of peace doesn't come without relationship with God. It comes through the resting of God's favor on us. And that's what this Savior came to do for us. And our hearts will always be restless until we find ourselves in that love. And we can see that all through the book of Luke, and especially at the beginning here. In the birth of our Savior, there is peace that comes for those who had been longing for him, who were waiting for his coming. They feel God's hand on them. They feel that God is doing something in their lives and for all who are coming to God. In the first chapter of Luke, we see that in Mary and in Elizabeth and in Simeon and in Anna, joy and peace, that they actually get to be part of what God is doing. And we're going to look at their words in just a little bit. But to those who are far from God, Jesus' presence doesn't bring peace. To people like Herod, who are hungry for power, it brings fear. In his case, murderous fear. And to people like the Pharisees, who really want preferential treatment over those uneducated shepherds, Jesus' presence brings irritation. He makes them furious. And we'll see that over the next couple of weeks. And for those who don't know anything about this Savior, who just heard that he's been born into the world somehow for them, who feel that there's a power and a presence that's working just beyond their understanding, that doesn't create peace for them. Instead, what it creates is longing. A longing is kind of a soul hunger to know and to seek and to find. And there's a reason for that. It's that longing that led the Magi across the years to find the source of this promise and bring their gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it's that longing that caused the shepherds to leave the fields and go and look to seek and to find this child that was born for them. And it's that longing that brought you here this morning. Holy longing is a gift in itself because it's a reflection of the heart of God who is longing for you. Sometimes when we think what we need is peace, what we really need is to be stirred up in longing because there are some times when we shouldn't have peace because there are places where God doesn't want us to stay, where longing is an indicator that there's something you're called to grow into or pray about or discover that God wants you to know, that Jesus came to bring real, unshakable peace, but Unfortunately, sometimes we seem to settle for the absence of conflict instead, because that's just easier. And that false peace keeps us from growing into and knowing what we are called to be in relationship with God. Sometimes we need to be restless until we're moved to seek the true source. So I'd like to give you a not very Christmassy example this morning. I am from Bemidji, the first city on the Mississippi River, and I grew up between the Mississippi River and a little tiny river called the Schoolcraft River that leads into Lake Marquette. 
And that Schoolcraft River was named after Henry Schoolcraft, who was a man who was passionate to find the source of the Mississippi River. And as you're going north up into Lake Bemidji with the Mississippi River, it passes on through into Lake Irving. And then from there, uh, you can take this little tributary, which is now the Schoolcraft River, into Lake Marquette. And Schoolcraft actually camped there and thought that he had found the source of the Mississippi but something was restless in him. He couldn't find any evidence of spring-fed lake, so he didn't really know that was the source, and he kept looking, he kept going back down, and he found the other branch and took a much longer route, north and then south again, down to Lake Itasca. And he named it that because of two Latin words, veritas, true, caput, which means head, itasca, the true head. And he was so excited that after all of his searching, he had found the true source. And I bet there were some people in Henry Schoolcraft's life who really wished that he could have found peace without finding the true source, like maybe his family, after it took so many years and so many resources to find it. But he was overjoyed when he found that source because he could lead other people to see it too and to know it too. But the funny thing is, Henry Schoolcraft was not the first person to know that was the source of the Mississippi. The Anishinaabe, the Ojibwe people who had been living there for centuries, pretty much knew that. But Henry Schoolcraft had to see it and verify it for himself so that he could lead others to know that that was the source as well. And maybe you're one of those people that Henry Schoolcraft has led to the source. How many people have been to see Lake Itasca in both venues to see the headwaters of the Mississippi? Yes. So whether you knew it or not, you were brought there by Henry Schoolcraft. And I bet it was a lot easier for you to find, although you might have gotten as many mosquito bites as he did on the way up there. That is why that passion to find the true source uh, leads into our lives as well. So what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, people have known the truth of Christmas, that Jesus is the true source of life for generations. But me telling you that there is a source, and I know what it is, and all about the source, it's not the same as you going there and experiencing it for yourself, is it? Maybe your mother knew the true source of life. Maybe your grandfather knew the true source. But do you? Are you thirsty for a taste of that living water? We've been told that on Christmas, a Savior was born for you and for me, that this child would be the source of a new life. But what does he bring that you need? Is there something more that your heart is longing for that can't be filled with any number of shopping days or presents or chocolate that you can eat? The season of Advent is meant to connect us to that deeper longing so that we'll ask for ourselves again, what child is this? Because unfortunately, we tend to forget. We're kind of like vegetable strainers when it comes to holding on to this good news of God's grace and favor for us. And this season of Advent is meant to help us realize more than anything what our hearts are longing for is actually that terrifying good news that the angels came to proclaim, that there is a Savior and he has been born for you. That God is moving, and he wants to be moving in your life. He wants to draw you back to the true source. Can you feel that longing? That longing is your soul's response to the Holy Spirit's nudge, God reaching out and longing to you. And I don't know why, but it seems like every year, we need to feel that stirring and walk this pilgrimage again and seek the source and be refilled to move from the longing back to the true peace of knowing that favor of God, who this child came to be for us, 
And thankfully, the gospel writer Luke, somewhat like Henry Schoolcraft, because he also passionately needed to know the source of the truth so he could pass on what he'd learned. Luke begins his gospel by telling us in Luke 1, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. When Luke points us toward the true source, what he's actually doing is he's stirring up a longing in us to know that source ourselves. He's trying to start us on a journey And he's inviting us to walk with him through the things that convinced him that Jesus is the true source of eternal life and peace. And then in the process to discover or rediscover for ourselves who Jesus is. So this Advent, our family of faith is going to begin this journey together asking that question, what child is this? And the only way we can answer that question is to remember who he was born to be for us and why. And there are 24 days of Advent, December 1st through December 24th, Christmas Eve, and there are 24 chapters in the book of Luke. So every day this month, we're inviting you to read a chapter of the book of Luke and rediscover for yourself in the word who Jesus was born to be for you. We're inviting you to the source, to the Savior himself. And we have one Advent devotional for every individual or family. You can pick them up in the back of the worship spaces or at the front desk. And each of those, there's also an ornament that you can color out and decorate and put on your tree to remind yourselves the source, the one that you are celebrating at Christmas as you prepare your hearts to celebrate his coming. We're preparing our hearts to begin this journey to the source so that when, we, when he comes, that we'll know him and what he means for us. So are you ready for some clues? What child is this? In Luke 1.30, Mary was approached by an angel of God who told her what child this is. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So what child is this? The angel is telling us. He's divine. He's the son of God by the Holy Spirit of God, and he's human, of the human line of King David. So Jesus will be the king who fulfills those promises that God made to David. He's God's faithfulness to that promise to humanity, to real people. And Jesus will also be the king whose kingdom, whose ruling, will never end. So think about that for a minute. What does that mean for you? Because everybody's life is ruled by something. What rules your life? Who rules you? What drives you, motivates you? What helps you make your decisions? Have you put the rule of your life into the wrong hands? What would it mean for this Savior to rule in your life, the one who came to restore you to a relationship with the God who loves you? How would your life look different to place your trust in his rule in your life? What child is this? Next, we see the evidence of Elizabeth, who is pregnant with the baby, who is John the Baptist. Mary goes to see her. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.'" But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So to Elizabeth, what child is this? This child is Elizabeth's Lord. She already knew that. The source of joy that's recognized even by the baby that she's carrying. And Elizabeth says of Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. There's an invitation there, not just for Mary, but for you too. This child comes with the promise to you. Do you believe that the Lord will fulfill those promises for you? That he came to draw you back into the favor of the heart of God? How do you live into that kind of trust in that promise? I can tell you that when you do, it brings joy. And I think that it's absolutely amazing that Mary trusted that promise, but I also think that she had some fear. She had some amount of doubt, which actually I find a little comforting. But the reason I think that she had that amount of doubt is because when Elizabeth confirms that this whole thing is God's plan for saving the world, Elizabeth, who Mary had never talked to about any of this, Mary just explodes in praise. It's like she's expressing intense relief. In Luke 1, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The Lord is calling us to trust his heart and to journey with him, but he also knows that sometimes we need to be reminded that he's trustworthy, that he's worthy of our trust. And I love that we see him doing that for Mary in this situation with Elizabeth. God knows what we need, and he's the one who came to invite us into his life. And every time I read these words of Mary's song, it makes me think, I wonder what has happened in her short life, only 15 or 16 years old, that she's so hungry to see justice. What made her so sure that God wanted to lift up the humble and to fill the hungry with good things? I think it was because God had lifted her up, that he had blessed her, this ordinary girl, to be part of his eternal story. And that's why we open up our building to house the homeless families in December right here at First Lutheran, because in Jesus, we've come to know that our God is one who wants to fill the hungry with good things. That's who he is. And so that's how we honor him as his people. That Christmas is about God wanting good, wanting the very best for humanity and always because he loves us. What child is this? the one who knows our longings and invites us to know the longings of the heart of God as well and to join him in those longings. So what do you think that Savior wants for you? And then finally, we have Simeon at the temple. Seeing the infant Jesus, he proclaimed in Luke 2, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What child is this? He's the one who brings salvation. To God's people, Israel, which means those who wrestle with God, but who will also bring a light of revelation to the Gentiles to draw back to him those who are outside of relationship with God. And he'll do this by causing the falling and the rising of many to reveal the hearts of the people. So what does that mean? When some hearts are revealed, it becomes clear that what they really need is to be lifted up that they need a peace that comes from real forgiveness of broken hearts that are brought to God for healing. And they will be lifted up. And some hearts revealed will show that first they need a falling. They need to destroy the false peace that's covered over their brokenness to pretend that it's not there. So that instead with honest confession that digs down to the truth that his living water can wash it out and bring healing at the root, the falling and the rising the peace, and the longing. They're all for the same purpose, to draw us back to the heart of God. So what does your heart need today? True healing only comes through this child, this Savior, laying down his human life for all humanity in the power that only his divinity can achieve and at the cost of great pain to the heart of God, that Jesus himself will fall and rise to bring peace and the resting of God's favor on all who come home to the Father's love through him. You see, Christmas is about the blessing of all humanity, but not in a generic, well-wishing way of peace, but in the specific introduction of a Savior who brings peace, of a God who has loved this world enough to meet us in our need and to open arms to all who will receive him. So this Advent... I pray that you might know that peace that Jesus came to bring, the peace that's not just the absence of conflict, but relational peace of God's favor for you in Jesus Christ. But if that's not where you are today, then what I pray for you today is that you will know the longing, that in the craziness of this season, you'll feel your heart's true pull, your longing for more than what you've settled for, more of the true source. And as you move to walk that road, may you know that the one who meets you even in that longing is himself your destination. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the true source. That it seems like sometimes we journey so far away from you. Lord, we pray that in this Advent season that you would place your longing in our hearts to seek you and to know you and to drink from your living water again in our lives, to know that peace that you came to bring us. And Lord, we pray that as we have found the source, that you will help us to be a reflection of that truth, that others through us can know that longing too, to know more of you and to know your love in their lives. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.